right on. Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 64 for Monday, November 21st, 2011. I am Bill Wadman. And I am Dan Gottesman. And last week we started running over, so we decided to split the episode. Yes. And we didn't do it like some some podcasts where we just kept talking and then just chopped it. We're doing it for reals, part two. Yeah, we're literally coming back a week later. Yep. Uh, but before we start the part two of our communications discussion, a mm-hmm. couple things I wanted to bring up. Such as? Uh, first of all, I bought a Nook tablet. I just got an extra guy. Uh, yeah. Have, have you seen these Nook tablets? Not in person, but I have seen their pictures on the internet. Uh, it's a bit like the Nook Color, uh, where it's just this 7-inch tablet, a uh, IPS display, 1024 by 600. And there's also like a little uh, little thing underneath it there for there's additional... A little, there's a little, oh, and then there's a, as a micro SD card slot. Yeah, it's got a gig of RAM. It's got 16 gigs of internal storage. It's pretty sweet, 250 bucks. Nice. So I bought one mm-hmm. uh, with the hope that the powers that be will figure out how to completely hack it like they did the Nook Color and put, say, ice cream sandwich on it, which is the next version of Android, if you don't know. Mm. The crazy thing is, is that they released this last Thursday and they already have full permanent root access on it don't act so surprised no no no. you ready for this the kid who did it's 16 years old i still nope i'm not i'm waiting for you to say something that's going to surprise me i just love that i love the fact that they're they are all like i'm reading up on it on a board at xda labs or xda developers.com uh-huh. do you know this website no okay <laughs> so apparently it's like you know the forum that these people talk back and forth on sure. and then they also have all these irc channels that they're all on sure you know so i'm on i'm one level above where they're chatting in real time mm-hmm. but they've already created scripts that go through root the thing permanently root the thing install super user install the android marketplace install all of the google apps all in a script that you just run sweet it's just it's amazing now i haven't done that however you can just automatically sort of sideload uh, android apps by downloading their little installers and and running them and that works so so far i've got you know gmail running i've got the kindle app running on the nook nice. <laughs> um so anyway so just as far as a little you know 10 hour battery life reader slash movie player slash web browser kind of thing uh-huh essentially what i would ever use an ipad for uh for 250 bucks and then yeah. hopefully uh they just put out the ice cream sandwich source code last week and uh on the verge that joshua topolsky guy you know the guy who used to be on Engadget. uh i do he did a review of ice cream sandwich on the brand new hot google phone which is 1280 by 720 hot google phone uh-huh sorry yeah, it's the what the nexus prime or the nexus i don't know whatever it is the new fancy thing uh-huh uh and he says that it may be the best smartphone ever made he wow says it's, it's fantastic and that the the ice cream sandwich the gmail app is 10 times better multitasking is super the browser is the best he's seen wow uh so i'm kind of excited to get this on this little tablet I can't just, wait to see it. It just blows my mind that 
these kids are 16 years old doing this stuff. Yeah, well, dude, it makes we me just, feel old and useless. I but guess. we were just talking about that last. This is a good segue because think about it, man. When we were 16, uh, I think it's safe to assume that we were doing a bunch of things that guys in their 30s would would say, "Man, I can't believe these kids are like." For example, the the BBSing, you know, sure. using, using the the modems and the computers and. And, you know, phone freaking and all that other stuff. I mean, it's, it's not that unreasonable. No, you're right. It. You're right. I just – they are doing things that I just don't understand, you know. Sure. They're just beyond me. Yeah. Um, good for them, and I think it's fantastic. It's I just the way we it, work. It's it just way. kind of – it makes me smile and shake my head at the same time. Yeah, it's, I think it's the, it's, the, it's the evolution of geekdom or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and I'm all for it. Yeah. So, you know, and then the, the Kindle Fire, which is a little less, a little more underpowered than this and only has eight gigs internal and no SD slot uh, mm-hmm. is, is for one ninety nine, And they've already rooted that and added all kinds of stuff to it as well. Mm-hmm. So it's only a matter of time before they put ROMs on these things. The thing is, is that apparently, at least with the Nook, the bootloader is encrypted. Uh-huh. Is like locked down, sure. Which basically makes it n- very, very difficult to impossible to completely replace the software on it, because the software has to be uh, have certain encryption keys that the hardware sees. You know, mm-hmm. so unless we can get our hands on the keys, there's no way to whatever. But there's some secondary way to do it where it kind of interrupts the bootloader after it's been okayed. I, you know, this is the kind of stuff that just blows my mind. Yeah, well, you speaking, you, you know, says the guy who's running a Hackintosh on his desk. I mean, it's true. No, this it's is true. right up your alley. Okay, so that brings me to number two on my list, mm-hmm. which is the Sandy Bridge E, which is the new uh, Intel high-end processor. Like the Xeon, right? Uh, actually, it's it's the consumer version of the Xeon. Uh-huh. So it's it's the it's the next version essentially of the computer that I'm running now. Gotcha. Um, so it's got four uh, channels of memory, so it could do up to like 64 gigs of RAM. It is six core with hyper threading. Uh, they will eventually probably come out with eight core with hyper threading chips. And it came out and it's fast. Yeah. But it's not. It's like eh, 20 percent faster. You know, that kind of thing. You know, sure. not like, not like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going without it. But it's the first time since I can't remember when, when I don't feel the need to upgrade my two and a half to three year old computer. You know? Uh, yeah. I, 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 you know, it's funny. I was just having a chat last night with a friend who was talking about um, upgrading computers. Um, and in this case, we were, she was talking about, um, <clears throat> the current state of Apple displays. Uh, As you probably know, Apple recently released a pretty terrific product, the the Thunderbolt display. Yep. How much did they charge for that? I think it's about a grand. Um, Which, taking into consideration all of the stuff that it does, I think it's a pretty reasonable deal. If you use an Apple laptop with Thunderbolt, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the, you know, the best use case. Because, um, I mean, I think the ideal config would be using the Thunderbolt display with uh, a MacBook Air. Because what um, what that gets you, I mean, it basically, because the Air only has the, what, the Thunderbolt and a USB port, basically, right? And a headphone jack. 
Uh, I have Thunderbolt USB port and headphone. Yes, yeah. two USB, which which is fine for for like most of the stuff that you would need to do. But um, when you put this a Thunderbolt display, you get uh, a gigabit Ethernet um, connection. You get FireWire. You get uh, a camera. Well, I guess another camera is not that big of a deal, but you know that factors into the cost. Actually, it is better because it's. I think it's the HD camera where the camera in the air is not the HD version. So yeah, there's a nice camera, and then it also has that nifty little you know a MagSafe power adapter so that you can keep your you know your wind up power you know your portable power adapter in your bag or at your at your other desk or whatever yep. you know keep it travel. I mean, again, for, like bang for buck wise, I think it's a really, really great um, product. And I think it has built-in speakers, too, right? So the uh, It does, I do believe, yes. Yeah, and the speakers are probably way better than whatever's in the air, you know, just from a yep. physical standpoint. Um, so, and yeah, it's nine ninety nine. So, yeah, it's a little expensive for a 27-inch display by, by, you know, today's standards, but considering all of the extra stuff that it comes with, I think it, it, it balances out to a pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, Unless you're a pro being crazy about color, it's a very good display. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it, yeah, I think having a MacBook Air with a... Uh, Thunderbolt display is a really compelling alternative to, say, an iMac. Um, yeah. Because because uh, this way you can take, like, the guts of your iMac with a built-in screen and keyboard with you, <laughs> yep. you know. Um, anyway, so she was looking at getting one of these, but the problem is um, Apple sort of drew the line in the sand, and it does that product does not work as a display, or, in, you know, and, and you don't get any of those other really terrific benefits uh, if your computer doesn't have Thunderbolt. Yeah, and well, there you go. Yeah, and so it's in unfortunately, the name, Dan. I know, I know, but the but the problem is, you know, Apple, Thunderbolt computers have only been shipping for a little under a year. So she has a previous generation MacBook Pro, uh, which has a mini DisplayPort video out on it, but you, there is no way to take a, you know, you can't buy that Thunderbolt display. And even though the Thunderbolt connection is physically the same as a mini DisplayPort connection they're not compatible. So she can't mm-hmm. plug that into her older MacBook Pro and get, you know, and use it as a display, which kind of sucks. So um so we were talking it's like, well, what do you do? Do you uh you know, if you you could either buy that display and then get a new computer and upgrade, yep, or you can shop around for an older, you know, one of the pre- either the previous LED display, which is Don't another Do they still make those? I think they do. And that's a, that's a fine display as well. Uh, we had a couple of those at my last job, and those are really nice. It does suck, though, that it costs the exact same amount as the one with all the guts in it. Yeah. Uh, well, I think you could probably get it for cheaper if you if you look around, since that Shop product around, yeah. has been around for a while. Um, but, I, I mean, at that point, if you're going to be, you know, compromising, you might as well save some money. So, we're you know, we're looking at other displays, like from, you know, Dell and ViewSonic and and any scene, sure. blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I just thought that was an interesting uh, line in the sand that Apple drew. But, no, it uh, is. And, and, but, you know, it just comes down to, do you need it? You know, I looked at the, like in this Sandy Bridgie thing, they have, they have these new machines, they have the processors, these people have done benchmarks. Yeah. And for Photoshop, compared to what I have now, yeah. you know, where my current machine does the benchmark in 14 seconds, this one does it in... 12 seconds. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of like it, it makes no appreciable difference to my workflow. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm feeling <clears throat> so the, 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 the final thought or the, my, 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 I guess my bigger point, um, uh, regarding my friend and our talking about upgrading computers is that I was just thinking about my personal computer, uh, situation right now. And honestly, given the, 
taking into consideration the kind of work I'm doing and the amount of work that I'm doing, I, I just, it, I don't have, I can't justify spending a ton of money on a new machine right now. It yeah. just, uh, and, but the question is, make sense. You, do you even need to? That's the, well, I, I mean, <clears throat> my, the machine that, that I get that probably I spend the most time using like day in, day out typing on and web browsing and all that stuff is my, um, first gen, um, 15 inch MacBook pro, uh, the, the unibody one. So I got right. that in November. I think it's actually, I think it's third. I think it's third uh, birthday is, is, is like today or tomorrow or something like that. It's yeah, it's November. Oh, eight. Um, sounds about right. So, and, and it's been a swell machine. It's, it's taken good care of me. Um, uh, I, I upgraded it. It has a, an SSD in there, uh, along with the, the original hard drive, actually, which upgraded. is honestly probably the biggest yeah. difference. And, uh, I think it has four gigs of RAM in it. I don't remember. Uh, I, I don't use it for doing any any heavy lifting anymore because now I have a Mac Pro. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's got eight gigs of RAM. Sorry. Um, but it's still a two you know two five three um, core two duo. Um, th- uh, and the problem I have with it, it, my only my really my number one complaint is just that um, whenever I'm doing Flash stuff or, or any web intensive stuff, uh, the fans spin up. Um, and sometimes sure. when I'm watching like. A, uh, a very high quality, like an MKV video file that's like you know full size, um, or 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 you know when I'm doing like a it, the, the fans do kick in when my super duper you know nightly backups run um, and that sort of thing. But that's I mean whatever. That's not well. I can tell you that breaker. my brand new MacBook Air the fans spin up. Yeah, I mean it, it's that's just sort of a na- the nature of the beast. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so I'm not really you know that compelled. I, I'm I'm fine holding out. Um. If and when, um, if and when I start working in the field more, like if I start getting more gigs, you know, doing, um, you know, location work and what have you, where having my own laptop, it's going to be a necessity, then I will certainly upgrade. And if I do, I will, pro- man, I'm just, I'm leaning towards the 17 inch MacBook Pro. Really? Uh, yeah. Just cause it's such a, such a kick-ass machine. Um, it really, it's huge. It's, you know, <clears throat> it, it is huge, but let me put it to you this way. When Apple first came out with the 17 inch laptop, the 17 inch Mac, uh, power if you will, the PowerBook G4, the difference between the 17 inch PowerBook G4 and the PowerBook, the 15 inch PowerBook G4, I feel that was a really big difference that, that felt like we'll say 25% difference in size. Just in the overall footprint, and the screen size, and the weight, and the way the thing felt when you're carrying it around. I don't know if that number is is 100% accurate, but that's what it felt like. You know, it's a big difference. And I would say, given the new hardware design and and just the way everything kind of looks and feels at the current unibody design, the difference between the the current 17 inch and 15 inch MacBook Pros is more along the lines of 15%. Okay. So. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, we'd have to get out rulers and, and make, yeah. make some measurements, but I, I'm just saying the difference between a 15 and a 17 inch now isn't as great as it was before. And having spent some quality time with 17s lately, um, I kind of like the slightly bigger screen, and I like the fact that it has a bigger, longer capacity battery. Um, yeah. I like the fact that it has the fastest possible processor in it. I like the fact that it still has a PC Express card slot in it, which I would use for eSATA. Um, and, uh, 
And yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, and I think it has two fireware ports on it. Maybe I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But will the SATA matter once Thunderbolt gets rolling? It's a good question. And uh, you know, what would what would you imagine yourself doing with this that you need that much power? Uh, tra- transferring files and transcoding video and or making tiffs into JPEGs. You know, processing raw yeah. files and that stuff. And that's where the obviously that's where processor power and RAM are yeah. truly. But you think that valuable. that's the kind of thing you have to do in the field? Well, that would yeah, that's the kind of work that I would do as a tech, um, doing that kind of stuff. And I mean, if, and if we're talking about let's put let's just kind of put this on the table, if we're talking about comparing, you know, the purchase and maintenance of a 17 inch MacBook Pro versus lugging around my Mac Pro sure. and a monitor in cases, which you know I could do, um, I'll I'd sooner get two 17 inch laptops and carry yeah. those around, you know, and just no, do it that and, way. And yeah, you don't want to do that. I yeah. just you know what it is. I've gotten so used to the air now, yeah, that I pick up Heather's 13 inch unibody. Like, Ugh, so heavy. It, it literally feels like a brick. I know. Well, you should stay away from the 17 inch because it's even heavier, Bill. Uh, no, I understand that, and I guess that's where I'm coming from. Where even the 13 inch unibody feels big to me. Well, compared to um, the air, it is. Yeah. Um, and and if I bring my laptop somewhere and I'm sh- even if I'm shooting tethered, yeah, the SSD is fine, keeping up with me, sure. And it's converting the raw files as fast as I'm shooting, right? Certainly, you know. I mean, I guess if you sat down, you were batching a thousand pictures, and you had to sit there and wait for it. Yeah, and I'm also talking a quad core processor would be better. Yeah, and I'm also talking, in my case, it would be medium format digital, sure, where the files okay. are going to be bigger, and yeah, yeah. you know that kind of stuff. But if we're talking about DSLRs, current DSLRs, um, my current machine would be fine for it. You know, I mean, it's again the fans would spin up, but it would it wouldn't have a hard time keeping up. I don't think. You know, uh, that brings me to the third and final thing we talk about before we go to communications, which is the rumors of a new Nikon D eight hundred. Yeah, they've been flying, man. I've seen thirty thirty six megapixels. That's what they're saying. Uh, which is nuts. We'll see. I mean. It's very cool. I don't know. You know, the you really are, though, by optical scientific measure... Pushing it. ...are getting to the point where you're diffracting... Yeah, the diff, there are diffraction limits to how much you can stop down the lens before stopping down the lens makes it softer than the sensor can measure. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and even right now, with my 21 megapixel 5D, I think that's somewhere like f11. You know, mm-hmm. so if I stop down to f sixteen, it's actually softer than f eleven, assuming I don't need the depth of field. Right. Um, so it's it's just kind of crazy. You get up to thirty six. Not only are you going to need crazy good primes to even bother, because you know you're just wasting pixels at that point if you're shooting with your average zoom. Right. Um, but if you if your diffraction limited to five point six, you know, it won't. Um, it's just you're, it's it's becoming very specialized, and it's sort of like it, the 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 um, what's the curve that I'm I'm trying to think of? You're, you're, the you're, Fletcher you're Munson hit, curve. Yeah, you, yeah. Well, no, just that you're you're hitting the limits of your price performance thing. Is you know the the additional feature is not actually nearly as useful as it sounds. Sure. You know. No, I hear um, what you're saying. But it's crazy, man. Somebody actually did a thing, and they said, "Well, you know, it's not that the." Density is actually all that high because, say, the 18 megapixel Nikon and Canon cropped sensors. Mm-hmm. If you play that out to how many sen- how many pixels it would be full frame, like the uh, 7D uses a 18 megapixel crop sensor. Apparently, that full frame would be a 40 megapixel 
thing if you like you know spread it out oh i see what you're saying yeah um so uh, it's 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 not like this is crazy or or from a technological point of view it's pretty much just kind of crazy from a you know usefulness point of view now don't get me wrong i would love (laughs) more pixels sure um sure you would well, but but then again, that gets down to like, do you need it? Which is a topic for a, a show one day because right. that's, and we'll bring somebody on or maybe we'll do something different for that. But it could be fun. Okay, hey, um, let's pause here for my phone call real quick. Okay, pausing for your phone call. Hang on, Am I actually stopping or should I just roll? Just roll. I won't be more than a minute. Okay. All right. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. I'm actually on a phone call right now. All right, I'm back. All right. Uh, can you just mark down the time? Uh, let's see. 22.14 on mine. Yeah, dude, just put that down. Let's yeah. Um, so we will bring... Uh, we'll have a discussion about that at some other time, because I think that would be fun. Yeah. So let's get back to the communication stuff. Okay. Uh, when we last left, mm-hmm. where where did we leave off? <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. I haven't actually listened to FidoNet, CB Radio. We talked a little bit about email. I guess we we're talking about. I think we we're talking about radio. You know, I, I had re- remembered that we forgot radio as another form of communication that has been around for a long time. It's true. Did you listen to the radio when you were growing up, like music radio? Uh sure. Yeah, you know, my father owned record stores, so I almost never listened to the radio. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, like, literally, the amount of times I can remember actually turning on a radio on purpose, I could remember, you know, on the count of them on my hands. I think um, what, I, what, what fascinates me right now is how, in some ways, radio is this, like, super archaic, old, dead, busted format. You know, like this really, there's, it's been around for a really long time. In a lot of ways, it hasn't changed very much since it's been around since, you know, since the 50s. But thanks to the automobile, basically, uh, it is still a very, very important, you know, viable thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, I mean, now, I mean, th- there used to be people who would have a radio at their desk, you know, and, yeah. and you turn this is before the Internet, obviously, and before streaming satellites. Well, that's essentially that what Pandora and all those are replacing, right? Right. But think about it. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, it was not uncommon to have a little transistor radio or a boombox sitting on the on the on the, you know, on the table on the counter and you, you know, you tune into NPR, your your, you know, for talk yeah. radio or or your favorite country station to make your requests and, you know, all that good See, stuff. It kind of seems that the ones that have survived are NPR, talk radio, Music radio has sort of gone the way of, you know, sort of these classic rock only stations or the dance music, you know, the top 40 stuff. But a lot of those don't even have, they don't even have DJs a lot of times. That's, you know, I I can't, 
actually agree with you there because I had a recently I had an experience recently that was a little interesting. Uh, uh, you might remember a couple weeks ago I took a little mini tour with uh, my pals in the Diddy Committee, and we did a bit of driving from basically from New York to Pittsburgh and back with a couple of stops in the way. Yes, you did. And <clears throat> the guys in the group had a fun game that we play in the car, car game, called the Classic Rock Radio Game. And it's basically a game where you guess what songs are going to get played next. And so it, it gets interesting because as you change, uh, you know, as you travel and, you know, different radio stations come in and out of range, um, you get additional chances, you know, just because you heard that one song on that one station doesn't mean that, you know, 100 miles away, another radio station might play the same exact thing, you know, so it's kind of. It's kind of interesting, and and so sh- and, and you're constant, you know, you're scanning through the the you know the the spectrum, looking for classic rock radio stations, and uh, it's it's really interesting. They almost all had DJs who did the same spiel and the talk up, you know, like talking up to the beginning of the song and giving the time of day and taking requests and, you know, you're on the payroll, blah blah blah. You know, get those stupid little games that they play and all all that stuff is still yeah. But a lot of times they happening. actually they they pre-record a lot of that stuff. I guess you're right. I mean, there's no real uh, way of knowing that. You know, I, I I'll tell you, I have my best friend's wife was a DJ in in Boston for years. Uh huh. Um, like a and a radio, like an actual radio DJ. Yeah. Nice. Um, and that that business has changed like massively. Like there is no room for error when it comes to budgets and money and that kind of stuff. They, they've cut that stuff to the bone. Yeah. Um, which it's just, it's, I mean, it's interesting. The question is whether it used to, there used to be a time at the beginning of say rock and roll when the DJ created what was cool. Oh yeah. Are you kidding dude? In the, in the early days, like in the forties, fifties and sixties, it was all about the DJ. The DJ had right. like full control. He picked what records came on. He was the one who got the phone calls. He he's the one who had the fans. Yes. I mean, DJs could make or break artists, man. I mean, that no, was No, absolutely. Dude, um, but the, man. But well, <laughs> the question is though, is that is is that A relevant anymore? Uh B a worthwhile thing when you have stuff like the internet where there are people who are tastemakers there, you know, has, yeah. has all that just moved over to a new place? I guess it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's hopped down a level. Uh, I can't remember who I was either talking to or listening to. I, I don't remember, but recently this thought was in my brain and that is that, um, our culture is making this pretty major shift from, um, from an ex- almost exclusively consuming culture to a producing culture, if that makes any sense. Where yes. we're now in the, in the old days, 50 years ago, the, the ratio of people who are making stuff to the people who are buying stuff or consuming stuff was like, we'll say just for argument's sake, one to 10, right? Even though I might be way off. But for this example, um, <clears throat> now it's like five to 10. You know, or seven to ten. I mean, there yeah, are I mean, a lot still more a people. Question, true, but there's still a question of whether the things those people are making are worth anything. No, you know? it, that's true. But but it, the there's a lot of happening. noise. I it's guess, happening, man. It's happening. Yeah, no, sure. And it's interesting because um, I think it's it's a preliminary step to the next the next level. You know, where now now when everybody becomes, I mean, I guess you can make. I'm, I'm seeing analogies, like for example, in in the way computers have, have moved. If you think about this, back in the old days, computers were, ne- you know, were, were, were essentially terminals, right? 
like, you know, there was one big brain and then you could connect to it for this little window or this little, you know, this little uh, interface. And then as they evolved, um, they they grew, grew legs, so to speak, and then the computer could become its own little self-standing, you know, I can do everything myself now thing. But now, um, now that that's been around for a while, computers are getting smaller, like our phones, and this whole cloud business is is now taking stuff off of the computer again, and now it's going back into the big mainframe, you know, central place. You see sure. what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, 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 uh, I, just, I, I wonder if there are any correlations between that and and this whole consumer-producer culture shift that we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I... I think that it's great that people have the power to make this stuff, sure. but I also think that there is a um, a hole in the system in that there's way too much noise and not enough signal, or there's so many signals that it just becomes you know like you're too, in too a stadium noise. of people sure. talking. Sure. Um, and I think that that is that is the real challenge of the future, and I don't think necessarily crowdsourcing the answer works all that well because we've tried that and it doesn't you know what we you, what you end up with is kim kardashian you know yeah um i i, I mean I, I i totally agree with you what i what i think is going to be interesting is to see how it evolves sure um because nature <laughs> nature will find a way let's put it that way no no yeah <laughs> no it's interesting yeah uh but yeah radio radio has always been a weird thing to me just because i never listened to it i mean then were you one of those kids who taped songs off of the radio you know, I did for a minute. Um, the closest thing I came up to, uh, it's funny, I, had, I was totally having this chat with a friend last night about how my music listening habits, um, whatever, evolved. And how in 1986 and 85, my musical interests were squarely in what was then called rap music, which is sure. now called hip hop. And growing up in a small... Um, you know, suburban New Jersey neighborhood with uh, one lone Sam Goody that I could bike to in the, you know, in the local strip mall, I could never, I could never get my hands on anything other than like the one or two, like the, the rap section was, you know, was one, one, one section, you know, it was one column, you know, there's nothing to, sure. nothing to offer. So I'd have to, you know, go into the city with my dad or, or something like that to go to a proper record store to, to get stuff. But then I discovered this um, radio station here in New York City, 107.5 WBLS. Uh, and every Friday night, they would have Rap Attack, which was uh, DJed by a very famous uh, hip-hop DJ guy named Marley Marl. And uh, for, a, I would say for about a year, I would I would try my best not to miss those and, if possible, to tape them. Because he would do these terrific mixes and, you know, he would have all the latest stuff. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. No, absolutely. So that's as close as I came. And then I, re- I remember and when I, when I moved to Chicago in 92, um, there was a really terrific radio station. I cannot remember it off the top of my head. But I think every it was like every Friday night or every Saturday night, there was a, a weekly show where they would literally just play the entire album. Side, you know, so start your, fire up your tape recorders. Here's side one sure. of blah, blah, blah. And then they would play it with the pauses and everything. Just like right over the air. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, how's that legal? What's up with yeah, that? That's that's sort of like you're following the letter of the law, but not really the intent. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually, uh, obviously, eventually that show went away. Sure. Um, yeah, I used to know a lot of people who used to tape all kinds of stuff off the radio, and I just, it's just, it was different for me because I'd call up my father and say, "Hey, Dad, can you bring home the new?" 
Belle Biv DeVoe? Well, yeah, no. But yeah. <laughs> the new that's, Madonna? That's the idea. Uh, no. The new uh, uh, Jeff Beck? No. no. Randy I was Brecker? A Billy, I was a Billy Joel Billy guy Joel, at the time. Billy Joel, of course you were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so it's just, it was a whole other world to me. What about Chick Corea? Uh, I like and respect Chick Corea. I've seen him a few times live. He's a, he's a hell of a player. He is a monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little exhausting at times, but I find a lot of those guys a little exhausting after a while. Totally. Um, so we talked a little bit about our email situation in the last episode, sort of what we did in college. Right. There you go. Um, That's a good good transition. You are now using Gmail, pretty much. Predominantly. What did did you use something before Gmail and ap- after school and before Gmail? What did you use? We'll get to Gmail in a second. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. So after after I left school, uh, I stuck with Interaccess and I, I held on to them for a good long time. Actually, good six or seven years, I'd say. Um, never never went the AOL route. Fortunately, thank God. Never got, I, never know, got some, locked some into kid- that. Some kid wrote me the other day, some photographer kid, and he was using an AOL email address. Yeah, well, you know, people get locked in, man. They get, I know, you but know, it's they just, use it for so long. Well, it's frustrating for me because, as I think I've reported before, there's like a there's like a spam oh, right, you filter. Have that blacklist issue. Yeah, I'm blacklisted on AOL servers, <laughs> so, so I can't send links or attachments to anybody at AOL. Ah, sucks. And links include the links that happen when you reply and you leave. The reply in the bottom. Right, your signature. Yeah, not even just signature, but the reply of the last one, it usually has the header, oh. and it'll link the email oh addresses. Oh, my God, really? Oh. It sees those. Yeah, so I have to I have to reply and then wipe everything out of the email and reply clean. What a, what a hassle. Such a pain. So, yeah, so then let's see. Um, Before Gmail, I had my own local Chicago ISP, and you know what else came out? I'll tell you what happened. Uh, that was when when Apple released iTools in like 1999 or something like that, um, and that was that was the the Mac dot com uh, okay. service. So I, I was, have to say that as somebody who build used to build websites around that time uh-huh. and worked for agencies that built those things, uh-huh. the Apple tools were so frustratingly. I never used them per se, sure. But other people I knew used. They were so like it felt like Fisher Price to me. Oh my god, it was so annoying. I mean, the, and, the, the and backup like to the point where it was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, but, but here's what was cool about that. Um, the, the first of all, they gave you an email account, which is cool, um, and then that also bridged you into an AOL Instant Messenger account. So that was kind of right. cool. I didn't really start using AIM. Uh, AOL Instant Messenger. Wait, what um, was the domain for the email addresses? Mac.com. At Mac.com. Right. It wasn't originally. It was called iTools, uh, and it was free. And then about, um, I guess a year, maybe a year and a half, two years tops later, uh, they decided to change it around, and then they they called it .dot Mac, and then that's when they started charging a hundred dollars a year. Right. And that turned into a pretty decent little revenue generator for them. Yeah, my, my friend still has Neil at Mac.com. I mean, I technically still have Dan Gottesman at Mac.com. Yeah. Um, but I let my uh, – after I, after I left Apple and after um, Google got to be as, as good as it is, I, I let my, my Mac.com um, service lapse. So I lost all of that old – well, I didn't lose it, but, um, you know, that, that mail stopped working. Yeah. Well, so, you know, that's that – 
that's a funny little segue into pop accounts. IMAP right. Pop, oh, and this is all pop, by, by the way. Yeah, yeah, right. So you used to get all your, your email with a, with a was it post office protocol. That's yep. what pop is, right? Totally. So, which basically your stuff sitting in a mailbox up on the server. Until you get it. Until your, your uh, client goes and grabs it and takes it off and it deletes from the server. That's initially what it happens, right? Exactly. Um, which is great. Except for the fact that, like, if your email goes bye-bye or if you have multiple computers that you're downloading email, you open up your laptop and you download your email, now it's no longer on your desktop. Right. Or oh, now it's on my work machine or now it's on my other exactly. machine. Yeah. So they there was a spec called IMAP, which I have no idea what, sta- what IMAP stands for. Do you know? I forgot. Okay. Uh, the idea is that all the mail stays on the server and your client is just sort of pinging the server and reading it off of there. Um now this is all Internet sort of before access protocol. There you go. This is all before webmail was really webmail. Yeah. yeah. Webmail or, used to be a big like a feature, like a big deal. Yeah. Um in fact, now that you now that you mention it, um so my, for me, I did the yeah, so the the mac.com bridged the gap between interaccess, you know, a, a whatever you want to call it, a little private pop service and Gmail. And then there's also another one that I use called fastmail. I want to say fastmail.fm maybe which is a really great webmail client. Oh, and I think Yahoo. Yahoo offered web-based email before Google did. Uh yeah, they did. And I'm sure Hotmail was before. Oh, right, Google Hotmail. Too. I had a Hotmail account and I had a, I had a, I had them all, man. I tried them all. I still use a Hotmail account for like stupid stupid stuff. Yeah, I, I have a Yahoo account that I, you know, uh, that I that's tied to my Flickr because you, you know, Flickr's a Yahoo yeah, service. Yeah, so I guess I have a Yahoo account too, but I don't think I've ever used it. And then I have I know I have um I guess I still have the .mac account which which now it's free, so I can use that. Yeah. And then I also have the you know a Google account or two. Now, do you use you have your domain, your Dan Gottesman domain? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you use Google Apps for that? I I do now. I just switched okay. this year. Okay. Um, I do the same for BillWadman.com. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how this works, guys, um, for free, as long as you use the standard system, uh, you can make basically Gmail takes over the email part of your domain. It's, and it's um, and they've made it so darn easy now. It's really yeah. impressive. They've made it easy, and the thing that I love about it is the fact that all of my emails available anywhere I am that I can get an internet connection. Yeah, it's know? pretty sweet. Um, and I, for one, and you and I differ on this. Yeah. As does Dan Benjamin uh-huh. and a bunch of other people. And Mossman. Um, <laughs> and Mossman. <laughs> I, I am. I like the Gmail web interface. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, you use Mail.app. I do. Uh, you used to use Eudora. <laughs> okay. Well, I started on Eudora. Okay. Then I moved to Outlook because I liked the fact. That, now, here's another weird little thing. Some mail applications. You ha- mean the old Outlook? The ri- Outlook for Macintosh. Yeah. Right. The original one. Though. Right. Then they for made OS Entourage 9. and then it came back. Right. Yeah. Exactly. In the old days, having the ability to support multiple accounts was a big was deal. an issue. And yeah. I want to say that Outlook was one of the first Mac mail clients that handled that in a good, look, you know, in a in a way that I liked it. I think there was sure. another one that either Claris or or another Mac centric developer made. I think it was maybe Claris Emailer. Jeez, I can't remember what it was called anymore. But there's another one that was cool, and it was cool. Its feature was that it could also interface with AOL really well so that you didn't need to use the AOL app to, to check your mail. To check your mail. Um, ah. But uh, that had other issues. Um, 
And then there's another really super nerdy mail app for um, old school Mac users called MailSmith, which is made by the guys who do BB Edit. Uh, which I, I would say is if you you know if you they still make it they still make it but I don't think they're supporting it anymore I think they finally put it to bed but it was okay. it was like the next logical step um, after Eudora when Eudora sort of yeah. fell out then Mailsmith if you were into that sort of very text centric window centric you know scripty sure um, style then Mailsmith was the way to go but um, just to finish um, yeah. so yeah so I used Microsoft's Outlook Express I guess is what it was called. And um, they made Outlook Express for Mac. I think that's what it was called. Maybe I mean, they, not. Th- there is Outlook Express, but I, I don't know. I didn't know that they made it for Mac. I Maybe don't. They did. They had a little yellow envelope icon with a little red thingy that, like a stamp or something. I don't. Apparently, I, they did make Outlook Express for Mac. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just. This is, I'm going off the top of my head here. I'm not looking. No, at keep going. Out. And then as that, so I stuck with that because it worked out really well. And another, you know, thing that a lot of folks don't realize is that back in the old days, in the OS nine days. Microsoft had a really great um, Macintosh development team. And, you know, despite the fact that, you know, Windows and Microsoft Word and all those other apps are kind of bloated and, and ugly, on the Macintosh side, uh, they actually were pretty pretty nicely done. Um, and I think the, when Office 98 came out uh, for Mac, that was a big deal. That was a huge update to Word, and that included, you know, that, that introduced the whole... Outlook thing and the Internet Explorer thing. That was a really interesting time for Microsoft and this, and you know, from the Mac standpoint in the you know late late nineties. There's some now, really great stuff coming out. Was that sort of when when they made the deal with yeah. Microsoft? That whole Bill Gates on the screen thing. It was around that time. Yeah, it was around that time. Um, some some really great software. And then and so then I sort of followed suit and when Entourage, which I think its code name was Alpaca, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, when when that came out, I switched to that and I really liked it and I thought that Entourage had a lot of good stuff going for it for a really long time you know for a good four or five years the yeah. only like caveat the only critical flaw in Entourage um, was the fact that it handled all of its stuff using a gigantic database file yes um, which on older file systems like Mac OS 9 you know with smaller hard drives and you know poorer memory management and other things like that that posed some serious um, dangers if you got into the larger registers of that. I think it, you know, originally it topped out at two gigabytes or something like that. And if your if your database got to be that that big or bigger, you were in for some serious trouble. That's a big mail file back in that day. Yeah, I think. Well, maybe it was even maybe I, I'm I'm just maybe I, I haven't thought about this stuff in a really long time, so that might be more recent. But anyway, I stuck with Entourage for a really long time, um, and then finally, once Apple Mail got to be a little bit more mature, I want to say as of maybe Mac OS ten four. Um, I started doing both. Oh, I remember now. I, I really liked Mac OS X4's uh, Apple Mail junk mail filtering. And this is before Gmail had their act together with junk mail. So what I right, actually you, did... You had to train that one, right? That you did, a... and that was really cool. So here's what I did. You're going to laugh when you hear this. I had mail set up to do checking every minute and do all of its... and do all the the, the spam filtering. But then I would do... Then I, but I would actually, you know, store, and it was just working uh, as a pass through. It didn't actually. It was all. It was IMAP based, and then I used Entourage for the pop based storing of the messages every five minutes. So, you know, so that, and then I would, you know, do my composing and and folder sorting and all that other stuff in Entourage. So I actually ran both mail apps at the same time for. Oh, a while. I see what you're saying. You used Mail app just to do the filtering. Exactly. Via IMAP, and then downloaded them five minutes later on. 
with pop uh, entourage. entourage. Exactly. Yeah. I did that for maybe like two years, which is sort of silly, but it worked. And that was also, I think that was, I can't remember if I was doing that in OS nine or OS 10. I want to say that was in the early days of OS 10. I would say that that's probably true. Yeah. I, know, I think has to entourage be, is because, only in OS 10. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the mail filtering was only available yeah. on OS 10. So yeah. And then eventually I think once 10, five came out and then, and at the same time, entourage just started to suck. Uh, I'm like, screw this. I'm going to, I'm going to full on mail. And so I did. And that's where I've been ever since. Uh, you know, on the, on the windows side, I used outlook express for years, probably from 95 or whenever they put it out during windows 95 yeah. period, um, up until 2002 or so. And then I switched to the full version of outlook. I honestly don't know why, because I didn't use calendaring or any of that stuff back in the day which is why I used Outlook Express in the first place because it was so much smaller and tighter. Uh, but I had all of those files that I had created in Outlook Express and Outlook and that kind of stuff, like as backups on all these disks. And actually recently I went through this whole rigmarole to get them all imported into something I could use that was more basically into text files. Yeah, you want to f- flatten it basically. Yeah. I remember you wrote a whole article about it. Yeah, that. I wrote a big post, which I'll put in the thing. So I took all the Outlook Express and Outlook and moved them all into, I think, Thunder... Thunderbolt. Uh, Thunder... No, Thunderbird. Thunderbolt. Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Yeah. Basically because it uses some kind of weird, like, non-proprietary Unix M something M-box. files. M-box, M-box folder. Yeah, M-box, yeah. M-box is like the sort of lowest Lingua common Franklin. denominator. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I did that, and so... It's all very good, and it's all. It was a pain in the ass to do. It took me like two days to do. You can imagine. I'm still um, amazed that you even succeeded. So big ups to you. Yeah, it worked. I mean, it, it, I have a lot of duplicates, and it's kind of a big mess. But if you want to do searches on it, that's you know the way yeah, to go for sure. Um, I mean, and that kind of that kind of brings up the question of permanence and all this. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Um, do you worry about the fact that you can't? I know, like most of the email from 1996, you don't really care about. But it's funny, actually. Those are the ones that I care most about. The ones that I don't have access to, like these those early days of email. Yeah, I would love to have to be able to because I I can still remember a handful Did of they emails. Disappear? I, I think I just lost them. I, lo- I I was lazy and stupid in the old days, and I didn't back my stuff up that rigorously. See, and people don't think about this stuff. I might, you know, it, it might be sitting on some hard drive in my closet. I have like fifty hard drives. Maybe not 50, but I have a, a, a jillion of them. I you should many, get out many, one of those little I, USB I know, things and pull them all I, over. I should do a lot of things. <laughs> um, I, but, you know, uh, I did that for – Heather had a, a G4 Tybook here. Yeah, those are good. Yeah. And we popped the drive out, and I ended up uh, cloning the drive to a disk image. Sure. So that we don't lose anything in there. Yeah. Um, and nowadays, you could buy these big drives and yeah. – Literally disk image all of your old drives onto one drive. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, it, it's not a question. Uh, I mean, I, I, will, I will do that. There will be yeah. a day that I will do that. And uh, I'm just not in the right frame of mind. And I did the same thing with uh, CD-ROMs that I made, say, 10 years ago. Oh, my ago. God, dude. I have so many old CD-ROMs. Because, I mean, I don't have that many. Maybe there's like 30 or 40 CD-ROMs that are like, dude, oh, these are old client hundreds. things. Hundreds. I have hundreds yeah. of CD-ROMs and dozens of DVDs full yeah. of like old pirated software and okay. tons so, yeah. of movies yeah. and, and oh, MP3s, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah. I have like probably two terabytes of, of MP3s from like when I downloaded like a freak. It's just it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, all this stuff gets up there, and, and they're all crappy. You know, they're all like old low, oh, sure. low bit rate, like one ninety six k. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, with the email, 
you don't think about it now, but you know there are emails say back and forth between my father and I. My father's dead. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that's, like that's these are the things that like when your father's still alive, you don't really think about. Oh, you know, it's my father wished me a happy birthday and yeah. you know thanked me for whatever. But like when he's gone, those are the things you think about. Yeah, for me know? it was like uh, like some old exchanges with some like my first girlfriend and sure. you know like oh, images yeah. that were attached to emails or even not, yeah. or sound files and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I, well, I can remember like like some like songs and stuff like little sound projects that I would make that I would email to friends that I've long since lost but are probably in the email you know somewhere yeah. that I wish yeah. I, I would love to get my hands on those things again. I mean, and I feel the same way about I am. Yeah, and. The only instant message that I I used to use, I was never an AIM guy. Yeah, me neither. Not until the, the Mac.com. Even, even with the Mac stuff, I was never an AIM guy. Well, I wasn't a Mac user at the time, right? Uh, but true. AIM always felt, it felt so kludgy to me. Well, the like, client, uh, you had to use their stupid client and it was awful. Yeah, the AIM client was awful. Uh, I did for a while use MSN Messenger Ugh, or the equivalent. Even worse. Yeah, but you know it was all built into That's Windows, true. From, right? From so, a Windows standpoint, it's fine. But the the Mac client for that was just absolutely. Oh my god! Uh, so, but I used to I used to use that, and I used to talk to ex girlfriends and you know whatnot on there. Sure. And there was an option to save your chats oh, on yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So I actually have folders full of text files. Sure. That are chats with yeah. ex girlfriends and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which is and my parents and my sister yeah, I, and whatever. I, so I chat was the was my first like commitment to AIM. I, I didn't I didn't use the AOL instant messaging service until until iChat. I never ever used the AOL IM app itself. Um just because it was such a piece of junk. But sure. iChat was a really great client uh from the from the get go. I mean it's still pretty good. Um the whole bubbly thing drives me nuts. You can turn it off. Well. It's easy. I haven't used the bubbles in years. Um but uh, what's one of the nice features of iChat since since the early, early days is that it would save your message history. And yep. I have, Jesus, years, years of, of, of stored messages. And what's really cool about that is that it's spotlight indexed. So you can do some really specific searches and find like, it's so funny. Sometimes you look for a word and it's like, you know, it comes up in a chat log of all places. Like sure, not, sure. Not, a, not in a text file, you know, not, on a, not in a document, not in your email, but in a, in a freaking chat log. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah. And, you know, my sister and I were discussing that I found a drive at my mother's house, uh, you know, a few months ago when she moved. Uh-huh. And it turned out to be the hard drive of their computer before I bought my mother an iMac, like in 07 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is now this this drive. And I went through it because my sister said, you know, I used to have these conversations with daddy on IM. Mm-hmm. on 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 msn mm-hmm. um and she said and i used to have them on my work computer and then they wiped my work computer when i left mm. and i forgot to take them mm. and i actually went through looking for them figuring maybe i had turned on the you know yeah the log everything the log thing yeah. and i i didn't i i did but not the ones apparently it wasn't during the time period that melissa was talking to him because oh, there was all kinds bad. of backups and stuff yeah but just the fact that that could have been on there is pretty crazy yeah you know? it's pretty sweet well the other um, kind of thing that blows my mind is 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 how you know the there are certain whatever you want to call them uh agencies out there companies people who are actively cataloging as much as they can of everything like there yes. i mean there's yeah i'm sure, I'm sure we've all heard these Tales of Echelon, you know the um, sure. the service that the the CIA or the or even bigger. See the, now that uh, you've said it, that means that they're going to be after us. Well, but this isn't being broadcast over the air, so yeah. 
and and I guess I guess they, I mean who knows I mean maybe they're downloading all of our files and transcribing each one of them, but um, oh no what's the other one not the CIA it's the um, NSA the NSA yeah and then you know those guys are allegedly you know recording every single packet that travels over the internet be it, they be measure it voice, their computing image what have you yeah they they measure their computing center not in square feet but in acres <laughs> right serious I be- I believe it. I believe it. Uh, so, you know, do you, that, are you, but, and a lot of the, all these IM things are completely unencrypted oh as God. is most email. Yeah. Terrifying. Um, terrifying. Mossman's but, rolling know, in his, in his grave. I know, <laughs> but you know, but that's one of the things that I like about Gmail is that the instant message stuff is kind of built in there. Yeah. That's not, and I like and, the way that they automatically log them. them. Yeah. So that you can take yeah. advantage of Google's chat. And that, that saved my butt a couple of times. Cause I, you know, I'll have had this conversation with my mom you know, and she, she, yeah. you know, there'll be like this address or this this you know specific thing that she wanted me to do or whatever. I'm like, I I, I know I remember talking to you about it, but there's no email, and yeah. I, I you know we, there's no text messages on our phones. And sure enough, you go into the Gmail web interface and you do a quick search, and boom, there there it was six lines of of chat. I think there's there's a way to to add um, to add the chat to add aim to Gchat. I think isn't there. Yeah, yeah, it actually goes both ways. So you can add. I, I, I do. I still have a, uh, you know, a dependent or pre- preference. Because the Gmail stuff is Jabber, right? Yeah, Isn't that the protocol. I still prefer iChat's just overall look and feel. It's just because I'm used to it. Um, so you can actually get your Gmail chatting into iChat relatively easily. So I have a sort of a hybrid. Uh, I have an AOL AIM account and my personal Gmail account, and they're both. So I have one giant buddy list, and there's a couple people who have doubles in there who have both, you know, like me, who have an AIM account and a, a Gmail account. But sure. but there, it's nice just to have them all in one big-ass buddy list and be able to, you know, chat with whomever, however I want. Um, but you can do the same thing from within the web interface of Gmail. You can essentially give Gmail your, AL, your AIM creds uh, and then log in and do the same thing and have one big-ass buddy list in Gmail. Sure. Because um, it is annoying to me that... I mean, a lot of the people, you and Heather and my my sister and my mother, yeah. they're all Gmail users or Google Apps users. Right. Um, so they're all on there. But there's a lot of people I don't talk to because they're not on there. But I wish they were because, I don't know. I, I find being able to just, you know, have those little Gchat windows down in the corner. Like when you're talking to me on Gchat, you're doing it through iChat? Yeah, always. Okay, see, that's funny because I always just have it as the little boxes inside of Google Mail. You know, <sighs> Can't stand that. Super See, annoying. I like them down there. I know you do. You're weird. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's an interesting thing. Whenever I go back, like I tried using Mail.app in in Lion, and which is one of the reasons why I updated to Lion because everyone said the Mail app. Yeah, was so I haven't much really spent any time with it. I, I I configured it on my Mac Pro, which is running 10.7. Tried it for half an hour and then forgot about it, <laughs> and then yeah. and then it wound up taking up some room. Uh, so I wound up deleting it. <laughs> yeah. And I ended up, I just got to the point where I was like, it, it felt so foreign, right? 20th century to yeah. be using an app oh, to see. read my email. So, so I have a client that was pinging the server felt so like old school to me. Yeah. I, I, I have issues with that too. Mail. I got to tell you, man, mail dot apps, the way it interacts with Gmail is really frustrating. I mean, they're there. I mean, I think it has vastly improved in 10.7 from 10.6. Uh, and they're now, thankfully, there are a handful of really nice alternatives that are basically basing, uh, they, they've taken, the, they're acting more like a really highly customized web browser than rather than like a standalone native app. 
you know, sure. like apps like Sparrow and, and yeah. Mailplane yeah. or whatever they are. Um, and I haven't really spent any time with those. Um, but here's my thing, man. I, I it for whatever reason it feels different to me to type into a web page. I don't I don't feel I don't like composing text in a in a text in a field in a web page. It just that just mm. doesn't work for me for some reason. I, I much prefer a fresh window in in an app. I, I think it has to do with the fact that I've been burned too many times losing stuff. Sure. You know, because sometimes you'll type a whole thing and you hit save draft, error, everything's gone. You can't hit the yeah. back button. And unless you were smart enough to hit command A and command C, yeah. copy that and save it just in case, you're screwed. And that, that's happened to me a handful of times. And, and sure, I'm sure. See, inside of the Gmail web interface, I've never had that well, because right. it's always constantly, constantly drafting, saving right. in the background. Right. Yeah. And that, that's, but that's, think about it. That's really kind of new. That's only been doing that for the past two, three years. Yeah, no, um, exactly. So, and I, See, I, there are kids out there who yeah. are 16 years old who are saying, two, three years, yeah. that's when I was 12. I know, I know, scary. So anyway, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, don't get me wrong, when I when I have to, I'll, I'm happily, I'll happily use the Gmail interface. I use it and, and for sometimes for certain searchy type things and other sure. stuff like that, it's actually way better and faster. But, yes, well, that's, um, that's the other thing. For searching, it's much better too. But as far and, as an overall look and feel... Like from the yeah. with the way the fonts are and the way I can you can customize the the behavior. Um, I still I'm still attached to yeah. a desktop client. They they they've improved the look of the Gmail app too has gotten a lot better. Yeah. Uh, in the last few weeks they've updated you know with this. New oh, you know I actually haven't. I, I I've been too flummoxed by the reader disaster to yeah. to do to look into it. But I I believe you. But it's it's uh it's kind of nice and I, I like the fact that I can log in anywhere and I get exactly the same thing anywhere. No, I, that's a really nice. Uh, benefit for sure. Um, and, and again, I don't worry about, I mean, yeah, Google's robots are going over my emails looking for keywords, but like, whatever, you know, like that's, yeah, you know, that's true. Um, I mean, once you've resigned to the fact that your, your privacy doesn't exist, yeah, you can kind of revert back yeah. to, uh, I mean, there's things that I, I feel like yeah. privacy should exist for, but I don't think that like, if I was some guy and I was, you know, I don't know, like leaving my wife or something like that, you know, some kind of crazy thing like that, that they want privacy or whatever, you know, or, or I was gay and, and I didn't want my coworkers to know or whatever, whatever kind of, you know, societal kind of thing yeah. is going on. I don't think Google gives a crap, you know, about that kind of no, thing. No, here, let me, uh, let me, I mean, you want me to so scare I'm not, you a I'm little not bit? Worried, I'm not worried about Google. What? Go ahead. Let me put it into perspective for you for a second. Um, you're, you're thinking of Google as a single person and that's, that's not. I don't think that's the the most realistic way to look at it. Here's okay. here's here's how I look at it. Uh, having worked at a company like Apple or even large ad agencies, have, having been in the administrator's seat, having sure. had access to everybody in the company's email, yes, um, that's a pretty powerful um, tool. That's a pretty amazing sure. thing to I have. Understand. And I guarantee you. That there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people who work at Google and AOL and Apple and other places that that offer these services that aren't as scrupulous and honest and well-meaning as we would like them to be. Um, you know, I mean, we've heard stories, even Facebook. You know, there's there's tales of of Facebook employees, you know, admins there who can, you know, because it's their part of their job, they can they they have full access to everything. No, and I, they can I, dig into I completely understand and that. Read messages somehow, and do whatever they want. And sometimes these I people like, are not, uh, you know, not so honest. Yeah, but when there, when there's a billion users, yeah, I, I am more worried about the guy who has root and admin access at my local ISP. Uh huh. 
or you know like the the place the little tiny place that I host my site at uh-huh. you know in 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 Dedham Mass um somehow I feel like I'm more worried about that guy than I am the admins at Google because the admins at Google are thinking about petabytes of storage. Right. They have bigger fish to fry. They have bigger fish to fry than going through people's emails. But the point is, they could. If yes. there was somebody who wanted to, sure, they could pretty easily do it. And and but there's really no way around that because even if you had your stuff hosted on no, a small place, that stuff still sitting there. No. And that's not my, on the server. And that's not my point. I'm you, you know you're totally right. And I, I but my point is that there are many many people out there who don't fully appreciate that. And I think it's, that's, that's the real, that's what scares me is just how, how, uh, how unknowing, you know, this is the kind of stuff that Mossman, you know, was talking about last time where he, you know, he just, he just can't get over that. He can't, he can't allow that trust. It's the kind of thing where it's like, once you've seen how the the sausage is made, you know, you, you have a hard time eating it unless you made it yourself. There's scary stuff going on out there, but other than walking around with a bulletproof vest, (laughs) Yeah, or not leaving your house, sure, you and it's like, on. okay, I'm not going to live like that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. There's, there's a happy um, medium. They got You got to draw the line somewhere, right? Like, I'm not stupid. I put good passwords on my computers, and you know that kind of stuff. Sure, but you know, if somebody has admin access to a computer, there's nothing I can do about it's true. that. As well, you know? once they have, phys- I mean, same thing, yeah. physical. Once someone has yeah. your computer in their physical hands, you're kind of unless the whole disk is encrypted, which is kind of badass. Yeah, but also potentially um, dangerous. So, so do you use use text? Have you always texted? Oh, SMS? Yeah. No. Uh, I only got into it really with uh, with the iPhone. It's weird because that was huge in Europe and other places in the world and kind of not in America for 10 years. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't really a big thing in the 90s. Well, it, it kind of replaced the pager. I mean, it kind of like fit into this really lovely little space between, you know, paging and cell phone calling because it still used the same cellular network that pagers and cell phones used, but it didn't draw that anywhere near the resources necessary for a phone call um, yeah. and was still just as fast and easy and efficient and lightweight as a, as a page. Although it kind of, I, I'd almost prefer email sometimes just because then I have a record of it well, or the SMS stuff. You have a yeah, record but, of you know, Well, you do, but I, if I wipe my phone or I have to it's swap your it out. It, it's in your yeah, I know, but like it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's right there it, that it's as safe as <clears throat> uh, an email would be to me I hear somehow. You. I hear you. Um, like it, emails from old phones before my iPhone or SMS before the iPhone. Those are all gone. I don't know. I, I like using it and I like it's handy. Um, I wonder how this iMessage stuff is going to change things too. Well, yeah, I think I, Apple's a little late to the game. I think BlackBerry's BBM service was the first. But I kind of wish that there was a... I mean, I know trying to lock in whatever it is, but it's kind of annoying that all the people don't get together and say, you know what? Let's make a let's standard do a data only standard. Yeah, yeah it'd be exactly. nice if they did. And it, it might happen. Um, there was talk that FaceTime could become that. You know, Apple said that that was going to be an open protocol sure. eventually. Um, and and then there's also talk that Apple's going to release a desktop client for iMessage, which I think would be huge. Uh, True. I mean, it stands to reason that the next major iteration of iChat should support that as just another protocol. Yeah, I'm surprised that didn't come out in Lion. Yeah, well, I guess it was still under under development. Yeah, and uh, what about uh, Skype? You know, I've only recently become a, a regular Skype user. I've had a Skype account since, geez, since it first came out. Um, in fact, sure. I remember the reason I chose my Skype handle was because I, I you know, I was doing, I was still a, 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 an independent Mac consultant in Chicago. Um, 
and then I, I, I was in that weird phase where I guess, you know, there's another medium that we haven't really talked about, which is the telephone or we, we kind of left out. There's a shift. I don't know about you, but I was definitely one of the first people who abandoned the landline. Uh, sure. I don't think I've had a landline since 2002 or 2001. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think I've had a landline. Did I ever have a landline in this? I don't think I've had one in this apartment. So I haven't. Yeah, I haven't had well. a landline since Chicago, uh, since New, in, at all in New York. And the last apartment that I lived in Chicago for two years, I had a landline, but it was only so that I could get DSL service. So I had a dial tone. A dial tone cost me 16, maybe 12 bucks a month. And then the DSL service on top of that cost me an additional, like, you know, 30 bucks or whatever. It's just they it chart it costs too much for a landline nowadays. That just doesn't, yeah, I mean the the cost you thirty dollars to have a phone yeah. that works. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So anyway, um, the point I was going to make, which I've completely forgotten, Skype and your oh right. Handle. So so once I decided to um, to bail on the landline, Skype became this really great alternative because you know now and I don't know if you remember originally Skype didn't have the ability to to place or receive calls to and from actual telephones, actual landlines. Sure. Once Skype out. Yeah, Skype in and Skype out. Once those services became available, I'm like, okay, so this is my backup. So I have my, <laughs> it was crazy. I had a personal cell phone, I had a work cell phone, and then I had my Skype account so that I would theoretically be able to make or receive calls pretty much anywhere, anytime. The, the work phone at the time was one of those Nextel phones with a little two-way Sure. communicators. It was on a completely, beep, beep. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was on a completely different network. So there were times when my Sprint phone just didn't get a signal and I couldn't do anything or the battery ran out and then I could just fire up my uh, my work phone and you know make a quick call on emergency that worked out yeah well. uh, telephone um, I, yeah I used to have a phone uh, back in the day and you know and then you got to like wireless phones you know and all that kind of stuff and the fancy I used to have a Siemens 2.4 gigahertz wireless phone you know nice little system mm-hmm. uh, which I ended up I think just throwing out because it's like it's it's useless to me, you know, yeah. like the whole, the whole pots, the plain old yeah. telephone system stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's kind of sad that we have this huge infrastructure of these twisted cable pieces of all over the world yeah. that is almost useless now, except for say DSL. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's, a, I guess it'll, it's going to be a fail safe. And the other thing that you can say is that the, the infrastructure that went into place as far as getting those cables in the air and under the ground and, you know, sure. over the, under the ocean and all other stuff, you can, you can replace the copper with fiber and, you know, the run, the run was the hardest part. So, so pulling another wire through the run, you know, still counts yeah, for I something, still counts for yeah. something. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, so it's not a complete waste, but it it's is crazy uh, how much, you know, that, that stuff isn't going anywhere. I mean, that's a ton of old yeah. stuff that's just. But who there. would have thought in 1985 that 20 years later, all that stuff would kind of be you know nothing. I would you have. Know? I, I uh, even have even in that. corporations, I mean, they're all doing VoIP systems yeah, wh- now. When I worked for Leo Burnett, dude, Leo Burnett was one of the first. This is in 1997. Uh, was one of the first buildings in Chicago to have all fiber to the desktop. Like they 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 had an opportunity to refit their entire building because the building was built in like I don't know the 40s or 50s or whatever. And, and they're like, all right, well we have to we have to redo all the wiring in this place. Um, and they you know they were they were pulling out every bit of old stuff like r- removing token ring wiring if you can remember what that yeah, is yep. uh, and replacing everything with fiber you know little orange fiber cables everywhere uh, and, you know and al- alongside ethernet as well don't get me wrong I mean it's not like all the computers had fiber at the, at the you know at the ready but uh, they were they were thinking in the future and, and sure enough now you know nowadays that's becoming much more popular and I wouldn't be surprised if that'll be the standard in 10 years from now yeah yeah I you know uh, I've been making 
Skype calls more often. Somehow I feel more comfortable talking on Skype than I do on a phone. Well, I do too, dude. It sounds like a hundred times better. Do you think that's what it is? It's like there's like a... a like a, 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 a quality a, issue? Not even quality, but like a visceral yeah. thing that you get Dude, from... Dude, it sounds so much better, man. I will sure. always opt for Skype over, over a cell phone. And I, I, even, even Skype on your phone, the Skype app on my iPhone, sounds 100% better than an AT&T regular old cell call. Yeah. Hate Just it. such a... The, the bandwidth is so oh, much the, better. The compression is, is horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. Uh yeah, it's it's just I don't know, it's just crazy. And then some people, what about the, the people who write you on Facebook and uh, that kind of stuff? Does that drive you nuts? It doesn't drive me nuts because I don't have a ton of people who do that. I, if if it became a regular thing, it would drive me nuts. And I, I'm the first person to say, like when when I get a message from someone, you know, out of the blue, I'll, I'll reply to them and I'll say, hey, here's my email address. Let's let's continue. Yeah, write this. me there. Yeah, let's continue this uh, over there because I, I tell them it's because I really don't log into Facebook that often. I log into. I mean, depending on my schedule, there will be, you know, a week will go by and I won't log in to Facebook at all. Uh, You know, I'll still post things from Google Reader or from other little third-party apps from time to time. So I'm not, like, completely inactive on Facebook, but I don't always log in or fire up the app and and check for messages and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'm not – but that's just me. I'm not really that heavy of a Facebook user. No, sure. Yeah. But, I mean, it gets gets confusing – if you're on Facebook and you're on Twitter and you're on Google Plus yeah. and there's people writing you yeah. on each of those individual man, it gets complicated. Yeah. Or at least there's a lot of different places to check, you know. It's true. Um, it's true. At least with email, I have all of the other email addresses. One other advantage of Gmail, probably the others do it too, but is that you can set up and check email from other services. Sure. So I could say, you know grab all my email from my Hotmail and from these three other Gmail accounts and push it all here. Yeah, Gmail is essentially um, its own little IMAP client. Yeah, which is actually really great because then you only have to check for one place. Yeah. And you can even you can even send from those yeah, things you can do, from a drop-down menu. And you can even set up aliases as well. So It's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, Gmail has come a really long way, and yeah. uh, it's definitely, I think, the best of breed as far as those services are concerned. Yeah, some people still hate it, though, because well, it's different. They're haters, Dan. I know. You gotta you gotta hate the hate the player, man. Don't hate the game. Hey, did you ever have a uh, one of those VoIP telephones? No. You know, like Vonage. No, my mom did though, because my mom makes a ton of international phone calls, um, and she was a an early adopter. Well, that's ideal. It ends up being a few cents a, yeah. a minute, right? When it worked, it worked great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the problem with that is that your internet connection goes down and you're cooked. Yeah, and she had issues with you know. Again, in the earlier days, since she, you know, she was one of the first people that the tech support wasn't as good as it it could have been. Yeah, uh, you know, my mother just left her house right uh, in Connecticut, and including she also lost her uh, oh, her phone number, her phone number, which she had since the mid seventies. You know, really, they wouldn't let her port that over. Well, she already had a cell phone and stuff, and I said to her, you know, port the landline to the cell phone. Yeah, we could change your phone number to yeah. this. And I think she actually made a conscious decision. No, I'm going to let it go. Huh. Because people have already been using her cell yeah, phone sure. and, and, and she was no longer in that town. So why have that town's. Sure, sure. You know. Exchange. But it was just. Yeah. It's, it, but it's interesting, though, that like your. Is your cell phone in New York or is your Chicago number? I don't even no, know. I, that was a big choice for me, too. I, I consciously left behind the 312 area code and picked up a 718 area code when I moved in 2006. But those things are somewhat meaningless now. Now they are, but back, or irrelevant. But, but five, rather. six years ago, I, yeah. I wanted. I, and honestly, I still. It's funny because you know, you know, like you say, teenagers now 
probably don't know one area code from the other. But I, you know, and now there, I don't even know. I mean, Jesus, there, there's so many more area codes now than there used to be. Uh, if if it weren't for the little iPhone, you know, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, you know, Memphis, Tennessee, like it, it, it it'll tell you where the original, you know, area code is 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 assigned. But aside from those original, like let's say just out of the off the top of it, let's say there were like I don't know a hundred or no, not even. I used to, I used to be able to tell. I used to know maybe a good two dozen area codes off the top of my head. So that on a caller ID or when I was dialing them and I saw them written somewhere, I knew what, what town they were in, you know, from Pittsburgh yeah. to California to Chicago to New York. I mean, New York had six of them. You know, New Jersey had three. Um, sure. You know, there were a bunch. And you, you knew when someone gave you their number, you, you knew where they were from. And that was kind of that. Had, there was some there was a layer of of meaning there. And that layer is completely gone now. Yeah. It's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 but then there's still the people who I want a two, one, two number or I want, you know, yeah. um, because it, even, even ours, I don't think there's any more, I have a nine, one, seven number. Those are hard to get to. Yeah. Nine, one, seven, two, one, twos are at a premium. They're really, yeah. So now nine, one, seven is cool. When nine, one, seven used to be junk, you know? Yeah. And five, one, six used to be junk too. Yeah. I, I, I feel pretty lucky that I have a seven, one, eight, you know, seven. Yeah, how'd you, how'd you swing that on a cell phone back in the day? Well, I walked into the Verizon store and I said, I want a seven, one, eight number. And I bought a Palm Trio 650 with a, you know, 718 number yeah. on it. <laughs> oh, there's one last thing is the whole before porting of numbers when you got a new phone on a new carrier, you had to get rid of oh, your number and get another one. Yeah, that that was, that I mean, sucked. you know, we're, we're all bitching about like not being able to get a phone until you know, Apple moves over to a, another carrier. But imagine how impossible it would have been with that whole phone number business, man. I mean, that was yeah. once that that once the, the, the number porting act was passed, I have a very clear memory of that that day or that that t- history that point in history when i switched from sprint to t-mobile because i was so done with cdma at that point and i really wanted a gsm phone so that i could you know take advantage of all the cool blue t- I, I i remember I, I went for my my uh my whatever the successor to the motorola StarTac was it was like a, a silver plastic version of it same form factor different name um and i picked up a sony ericsson z600 which was a sure. really cool flip phone, which had Bluetooth, and there was a really and man, it's kind of crazy how awesome Bluetooth was back in OS nine. Like you know, as far as being able to, there was an SMS client for it. So like, I remember there's an app that I could run in the background that would like you know communicate with my phone. I could I could I could use my phone as a modem, which is awesome. You know, like, like yep. with the the yep. hotspot. And this is like almost ten years ago. You know, in OS nine, this is way before OS ten. Um, I could use my my computer as an interface for SMSing so I could, you know, send and receive text messages using a little window on my computer instead of having to type it on the phone. And it had this really awesome proximity business so that when I was, when I would set my laptop down at a client and walk away from it, when I was out of range, my screensaver would kick in, you know, which would have a lock. And then when I would come back into range, it would see me and it would prompt me for my password. It's kind of amazing that all that stuff went bye-bye and didn't get better. Yeah, I, it kind of saddens me because... Well, they kind of dropped the whole iSync thing. It used to be able to pop up when you were getting a phone call, a thing on yeah, your screen Yeah, pop exactly. Up. That was another really cool feature. That was one of the cooler things that I... One of the reasons why I bought a tie book back in the day and used it for a few months before <laughs> I gave up and went back to Windows. Uh-huh. Um, because of the Bluetooth? That kind of cool stuff. Hilarious. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah, I don't know why that, uh, why that went away. It's really annoying. Yeah. But that's, you know... <sighs> I think we should let the kids go. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we wrap up? I don't know. I think uh, I'm just trying to think. We, we, we the goal of this little chat was just to sort of cover the bases of communication 
Uh, I think we've yeah. we've hit just about everything. Um, well, if we didn't, I'm sure people will let us know. Yeah. One of these days, I'm going to learn Morse code, I tell you. It's going to happen. Okay. I think you could do that. I think I can, I'm too. sure there's an app for that. I have it on my phone. <laughs> it's called Morse. You're like, there's actually 15 apps for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, there, you know, there's a, there's a website for people modding these tablets. It's called Lilliputing. Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, isn't that cute? I wonder how many people actually get that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually pretty funny. Oh, man. Lilliputing. Yeah. Uh, Not a very nice site, but it seems like it has information. Um, all right. You, I guess we'll go till next week, and we'll see if we'll come up with something interesting. This week's uh, Thanksgiving, so. Yeah. Here, let's see if this We'll have to record it over the weekend. There you go. What did that just say to me? Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so if you want to get a hold of us, it's circuitous.tv on the web. Yep. Circuitousconversations at gmail.com to email. Yep. Dan Gottesman, uh, at Dan Gottesman and at Bill Wadman on Twitter. On the Twitters, yeah. And we have an at CircaConv on Twitter, which we post updates to these things. But if you're okay. already subscribed, it's kind of silly. Yeah, very sparingly. And, um, and again, if you uh, if you have the, the time, uh, swing by the iTunes music store, look us up us. and give us a nice little... Happy rating. That'd be terrific. That would be helpful. Yay. All right. Thanks, folks. We'll catch you later. Bye. Right on.